And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. This is your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined, as always, by my producer and co-host, Brader Later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about the myth, the the ridiculous myth that diversity is our strength. Diversity, is, in fact, is not our strength, and I'm hardly the only one that argues that. Um, Dennis Prager argues that, the famous uh, uh, conservative political pundit, uh, radio show host. Uh, also, um, there's several other people. Uh, John Hawkins writes something really good for the uh, town hall. And uh, he also writes that diversity is not our strength. Uh, there was also an article written by the Federalist. Diversity is not our strength. It, it causes division. One of the main causes of division in Canada is the difference between French Canadians and British Canadians, the difference between language, you know, the French language and the English language and the different cultures. It, it causes issues. It causes problems. Uh, one of the things that causes issues in, say, anywhere, really, but let's say India, for example, is the difference between Muslims and, and uh, well, Muslims and all the other religions, but Muslims and uh, all the other religions that exist in India. Uh, they're constantly a conflict. There's many different, you know, languages in India. The, there's the two language, you know, two languages and then subsets of those languages in China that cause constant problems. So the idea that diversity is our strength. I mean, if you look at the, uh, if you look at uh, any conflict around the world, it's diversity that causes the problems. Right. Uh, the Sunni versus the Shia. The Catholic versus the Protestant. Yeah. constant non-ending conflict right it's i mean looking through all this literature particularly kind of the left-wing arguments and why diversity actually is a strength something that what, what i tend to find is something to the effect of well cultures in general they tend to be kind of or a monolithic culture tends to be pretty bland and that's just going to be unenjoyable so we should want to inundate culture or inundate our society with as many different cultures as possible Therefore, it stays less bland and interesting. <laughs> and this is actually what they think is going to pan out. This is actually going to pan out in a good way. That uh, This is like kind of the liberal kind of dreamland where they think that everything's going to be good because we're going to have so many different ideas, different ideas. That, and this, in effect, means that we're not going to get bored with kind of a bland monolithic culture, which really just makes no sense if you actually look at it. And the really reason is this, is that these same people or a lot of the liberals that seem to or think culture is ultimately a virtue, which they do it for, I would argue, just kind of dumb, woke reasons. But they totally repudiate the idea that, OK, we need some sort of cohesion in culture. We need some sort of cohesion in our society where there's, in general, a shared group of values amongst different people, amongst different peoples, and that we can ultimately kind of assimilate these people under one kind of goal and one kind of banner, which these people seem to quite honestly be looking at this which it's odd they seem to be oblivious to it and they just try to make arguments just showing that well multiculturalism is actually good because you have a bunch of people from different things and it makes life interesting you have different food and i don't know an urban area can be more interesting or they'll try to do something like in the realm of economics which the the only uh study that i found that actually supported that supported kind of an economic uh, vision of this came from the harvard business review which if you look at a lot of kind of the liberal articles on this or the kind of pro uh, multiculturalist arguments, they'll reference this hard business review, which at face value, it seems to have pretty substantively good results for multiculturalism. It's like something like 
diversity uh, di- or diverse uh, c- uh, companies uh, relative to non-diverse ones tend to have like 20% more profits, which at face value seems insane. Uh, it seems to be exceptional. But then you actually look at the criterion and they used and they said, and to quote with the Harvest Business Review, it said, the emphasis tended to be on inherent dimensions of diversity, like age and gender in developed countries like the US and France, but was more on acquired diversity dimensions like industry and educational background in developing countries like India, China, and Brazil. So this, this study that they keep referencing, it's in effect saying that we didn't actually use any of the, the things that tend to be di- diversity kind of parameters or most sociologists look at, stuff like race and different religion. We didn't actually care about that. What we use as diversity is different genders or in regards to developed countries, use different genders and different age groups to say that, oh, that shows diversity is good. And in developed countries, we showed oh, well, these people had different educational backgrounds, which meant that they, in effect, didn't focus at all on the real, uh, the real pressing question of diversity, which is essentially, can you, can you unify different uh, ethnic groups of people that obviously tend to carry around different groups or uh, different cultures, and can you uh, assimilate or make productive, uh, uh, I don't know, different religions, which this Harvard Business Review study that the, they were using as great evidence to support their claims, they didn't, they didn't reference either of those they just referenced uh, these kind of own, their kind of own indicators that uh, no one's even uh, uh, holds as relevant in regards to this debate. Well, let's, let me quote from uh, John, uh, oops, John Hawkins. Okay. So he quotes several people. Uh, Let's see here. So it's worth, worth noting that uh, America, Increasing diversity is largely a product of a change to our immigration system implemented in the, in the 60s. European-born immigrants made up 75% of American immigrants in 1960, but that percentage has dropped to only 11% in 2014. Combine that with cultural degradation and the rise of tribalism and that has occurred that has occurred during the last couple of decades, and we have, have seen a, a much more radical change in this country than most people realize. Right. And this is, this was, uh, you know, by uh, Robert Putnam. He's quoting Robert Putnam. Um, let's see. Yeah. I mean, okay. So well, let me, let me continue. It, it, it has become increasingly popular to speak of racial and ethnic diversity as a civic strength from multicultural festivals to pronouncements from political leaders of the message is the same. Our differences make us stronger. But a massive new study based on detailed interviews of nearly 30,000 people across America has concluded that just the opposite is true. Harvard political scientist Robert Putnam, famous for bowling alone, his 2000 book on declining civic engagement, has found that the, the greater the diversity in a community, the fewer people vote and, less they, and, less they, and far less volunteer, the less they give to charity and work on community projects. In most diverse communities, neighbors trust one another about half as much as they do in, in most homogenous settings. The, the study, the largest ever on civic engagement in America, found that virtually all measures of civic health are lower or more uh, in more diverse settings. The extent of the effect is shocking, says Robert, says, I'm sorry, Scott Page, a University of Michigan political scientist. So these are hold car. Uh, I'm sorry, cold hard facts that show that in the United States, forget about around the world, but that we, you know, I give countless examples of around the world. 
but forget about around the world right here in the United States it since it seems to be a net negative in a community that's diverse the neighbors trust each other half as much as they do in a in a in a um in a homogeneous uh neighborhood yeah and the other thing that's shocking or that some liberals might find shocking is that this i think the study in particular uh, referenced or used as a or its sample size was 30,000 individuals and right. from all over the country, uh, urban and rural, and they still found the same results, you know? So in the communities where like New York city, where you tend to find, uh, you can find just kind of a, such a, in, you're so inundated with different cultures where you can just step around the block and you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I can't even find that living in the, or having lived in Chicago, but, or at least in some areas, but those areas where you like to see that as a virtue, it's actually that, well, maybe that's good. It actually doesn't really amount to that much. <laughs> and, and it's ultimately just going to create a division throughout, you know? Or what, well, the not the novelty wears off and it's pretty, pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's what a lot of people get into. They get into the novelty of it. Yeah. It's kind of like what I said earlier, I was, I was listening to this, this guy named Nathan Robinson, who's kind of a prominent liberal and he's, he wrote an article defending diversity because Tucker Carlson uh, lambasted it. And he, he had like, I, I, I referenced it before, but he had kind of this weird flaky take where, Oh, well, a monolithic culture is kind of bland and kind of boring. And therefore you should want as many cultures as you can. And I'm like, that, that, what, what is that other than you want a novelty and you want to live in like some hectic environment where. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be entertained. I want things to work properly. Yeah. And he was referenced this in the case of new Orleans and I guess, which, I mean, one that I've, I've known so many people that went to New Orleans and I guess maybe they like a novelty of it, but they eventually say, no, this is too party central and it's just too flaky and it's not really a good place to really. Well, not, not, well, not, not just that, but New Orleans, New Orleans is ex the, the, the government and the police are extremely corrupt and the crime rate is through the roof. Right. Yeah. They so, to... I mean, we see, we see these patterns all over the planet. Look at uh, the conflicts going on in Afghanistan, Libya, Israel, and Iraq. I mean, how's that diversity working out for them? Uh, how is diversity playing out in Russia with the Chechnyans, the Chechnyan rebels? Uh, what about the Hutu and the Tutsi in Rwanda when over a million people were killed with machetes? I mean, how about the Bosnians and the Herzegovinas? I mean, it's just not... The Roman Empire uh, was destroyed basically because of diversity. They brought in all these new people. They didn't assimilate, and uh, and they everybody just split apart. Right. Yeah, this seems to be the weird part in it, which uh, I, I guess maybe they're they're saying what they they're really telling you everything that you want to know here, but they're really not not putting an emphasis on assimilation whatsoever and any sort of cohesion. They just think that oh well, if we have a bunch of this, that uh, I don't know, in effect, that all these people are going to have such different ideas that they'll will everyone will be able to do a synthesis of synthesis in it, and it will inadvertently in increase our critical thinking because we'll understand all these different cultures, whereas apparently we wouldn't get to if we had more of a monolithic culture and they think in effect that this doesn't they 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 in effect just undercut any sort of argument or any sort of a assimilation that has to do with cohesiveness which they don't understand that when cohesiveness actually works well like they always reference like irish and its hands and that's oh well look at the actually putting them references in particular when at the end of a study because he, he thinks in the short term in the short and medium term diversity is going to have some uh problems and it's going to create some sort of gridlock between different population groups but he thinks in the end well it's just going to be for the it's going to be beneficial and there's going to be some sort of a homogeneity or some sort of cohesiveness in the values or culture and then he references the irish and italians which 
the Irish and Italians were able to assimilate to some extent, but you're kind of just hoping that this will happen all around. And obviously, there, as CA referenced, there's a bunch of other cultures where they have not been able to assimilate over time, even if a formal, even if on a formal sense, they had some strife, you know, exactly. and they seem really it, reading this, they seem to not put an emphasis on any of these arguments or any sort of retorts to, okay, well, what happens if one diversity isn't innately a strength because you want some assimilation and two, what happens even if you accept that, that you can't assimilate different groups of, or it's, it's particularly difficult to assimilate different uh, groups of people into one, you know? Well, well, my question is, did we assimilate into native American Indian culture? No, we didn't. Yeah. We came in, we took over and we completely changed the entire continent. We, we, the Europeans changed two continents, North America, South America, and of course, the uh, the Central American strip. We changed this entire hemisphere. We did not assimilate. Uh, right. And, you know, in the, in the past, when we created this country, our idea was is that we'd be a melting pot. We no longer want to be a melting pot. Now we want to be a, uh, a vegetable soup. We want to be a stew. A uh, little bit of pieces of this, a little bit of pieces of that. We don't want a melting pot. We, we, you know, you have to have a shared culture. You I, there's no problem when you, you maintain some of your old cultural norms, but you have to take on the mainstream culture to a certain extent, because if you don't, then you're not a cohesive society anymore. You're, yeah. you're, instead of be, it's like being a, it's like instead of being a family, you're a group of individuals all out for themselves, not working as a team, not working as a unit. And that's not going to work. That's just simply not going to work. What do they say? Uh, united we stand, divided we fall. That's a fact. And right now, we, we haven't been this divided since the Civil War. Yeah, I, I should say that to kind of this argument that diversity is always good, it's really undercut if you look what happens to the Americas where we didn't actually take any of the Indians' customs and we made this country a great place, <laughs> a much greater place, which these people seem to have this like idea which uh, Aristotle references in regards to democracy where, oh, democracy could be good because it could be like baking a cake where... I guess everyone can kind of uh, uh, posit some knowledge on how to do it. And therefore that's a plus of it, which maybe, maybe on some micro level, maybe they can all do give their two cents and maybe that could be good. But I mean, I have it on, I mean, the honest question is, and obviously we saw this in the Americas where America became great and we didn't really assimilate or we didn't really uh, uh, usurp any of the Indian culture or extrapolate from it. But do you really think that you could mix uh I don't know, Ethiopian culture, where I don't even think they have a government right now in Japanese culture. No. And Japan would actually become stronger just because, well, it's already pretty good. It would just find a couple of values that are particularly, uh, I don't know, conducive to good stuff in Ethiopian culture. And uh, I guess a similar there. Well, why, why, think about this. Why is Japan so successful? Because right. it's an extremely homogeneous society. Was it 90, 98 or 99% of the people that live there are Japanese? That's right. why. That's why. Yeah. But I, yeah, obviously, yeah, that's that's the point. But the, the bigger point I was making, which that's probably a better one, but it's that they seem to have this idea that if you just put a bunch of cultures together, everyone's going to be able to glean different things from it. And you're going to have this great synthesis. But the question is, isn't there isn't it the case that there probably already are some pretty bad cultures and you can't really extrapolate that good things from it? And if anything, it's probably going to bog down the other culture. If well, so this, this this well, the strange thing is, um, Byer, is that. People believe, people people in general, especially the left, but people in general believe that all cultures are equally bad and equally good, right. that they all have equal value. That's just simply not true. Some, well, some guy that lives in a culture where he's a part of a headhunter society living in a grass and mud hut and, uh, and, and eating people is not the same as, say, Sweden. It's just not.
it's, it's just not there. Just like there are some people that are mostly bad and some people that are mostly good. There's cultures that are mostly bad and mostly good. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. I, I realize that that makes that's too much nuance for most people. Most people just want to think uh, in, in one way and not have to think for themselves and don't complicate things too much. But the fact is, is that if individuals can be mostly bad or mostly good, then so can society. Yeah, I should say that I actually you, you think that they actually believe that, but I don't think they actually believe that as evidenced by what you're seeing right now with Mexico, where. I guess a lot of like kind of white Californians will move there because mostly because it's just cheaper. And I guess the climate is somewhat similar and they'll move to places like Mexico city. And then the locals will complain about uh, them being priced out and the culture somewhat changing there. And then you could see these kind of peddled by like American, American periodicals like the LA times. And this is what I kind of find the irony in it is that the kind of, they don't mind when kind of poor people come to a place, but if rich people come or if, if, uh, if people, if poorer people come to a already kind of uh, uh, economic, economically well-off plays. A lot of liberals think, oh, that's great, blah, blah, blah. They're going to do great things. But if it's the, if it's the other way around, they think, oh, no, that's horrible. They're just usurping their, they're, they're uh, ultimately positing their culture forcefully or something, or it's just going to be contrived, which is another thing I kind of find odd looking at these diversity arguments where they love diversity in one sense, but if it's whites, uh, I guess, moving into an area or a majority population moving into an area and forcing out the poor people or or, or uh, imposing their values there inadvertently, then they hate that. Well, you know, I could never move to a third world country, Mexico or, you know, anywhere. I, I could never do that because why? Because I like air conditioning. I like electricity to be running 24 hours a day. Uh, I like to be able to drink water right out of the tap without having to boil it or worry about if there's heavy metals in it. Uh, I, I just couldn't do it. I just yeah. could not do it. I can't, I can't imagine how anybody could. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, it's kind of like where you really do have to wonder these these liberals where they seem to think that there's always going to be a synthesis of people moving into or I guess poor people moving into cultures or people that come from like particularly third world countries moving into a first world culture where they think that okay well the first world culture is kind of nice but it's going to become much better and then the third world country the third world culture is going to make it better and that's what they that's really what a lot of them want like they want the third world moving into the first world invariably and they think that both are going to be uh, much better off and it's going to be non-zero sum, which if you look at the data, at least for culture, cultural reason, that's just not true. <laughs> and I'm really not quite sure the economic data actually pans it out in that I don't think the people, and th this is kind of where I, I, maybe we should pivot a bit, but where I think diversity is really becoming very pernicious right now is that it's that if we have this idea that diversity is ultimately good and therefore everyone should be on the same level or that there should be some sort of, uh, I don't know, there's, there's well, 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 here's my question. Why, why would anybody believe that a more, a less advanced, more primitive culture, not, not just, not just uh, technologically speaking, but overall corrupt government, um, you know, I, I love people from India. I do. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of people from India, but I've seen documentaries where people, where people just, you know, squat down along the train tracks or in the bushes and just take a crap or pee. That's one that's bad enough if you're peeing, but squat down, and take a crap. How do you what? How do you wipe? I think the answer is you don't wipe. You just stand up and keep walking. I'm sorry, but I don't see how that's going. I don't see how a more primitive culture is going to improve a more a, a more sophisticated culture. How how does that work? How, how, what what's the improvement? I mean, if that's the case, then maybe we should find somebody from the Senate and bring them, and they can, you know, they can mm, be you know fire hot. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll improve our culture. Yeah, it, 
it brings up a good point because a lot of times conservatives will say like, oh, well, you want diversity. You want uh, some sort of forced diversity, but don't, why don't you want diversity of thought where you have no problem uh, with, with universities being as diverse as it can be, but uh, these same people seemingly don't want any conservative opinions, which seems, which is about half of the population, you know? Right. And I, I once heard a hearkening back to Nathan J. Robinson. He wrote this article. He's basically saying, oh, well, I actually think liberals should, uh, should learn the conservative opinions and his point there is they should learn to learn why they're wrong and to repudiate them which seems odd because shouldn't he want the what if we want to do the same thing what if we say oh we actually do want to learn different cultures just to understand why they're wrong and in effect repudiate them you know to learn how to augment our own which i i don't think someone like that would realize that it's pretty much the same rationale in regards to what he views uh what he thinks liberals should do with conservatism well not to not to harp on india but i remember that uh one of the one of the um, and I I'm not quoting us and I know I'm not getting the right right names but there was a famous conversation between I believe it was a British general and the head of somebody in the government of India and they said that uh, widow widow um, martyrdom which is basically where you you kill or bury the the widow alive with her dead husband when her husband dies she dies whether she's going to die or not she she's killed. And buried with him, um, and he, he said, "Well, that's part of our cultural practices." And the British general said, "That's that's fine. You're welcome to do that if that's part of your cultural practices. But our cultural practices is, is that we kill people, we we execute people that kill women. <laughs> right. So you practice your cultural practice, and we'll we'll practice ours. You know, we'll see how the values work. You know, or how the how it all kind of pans out in the end. Right. Yeah, that that is a." That is a good point. I mean, you, you see some kind of backwards things, which uh, they're referencing this particular with like the kind of influx of Afghani refugees or I forget whatever you call them, but to where we're seeing things where a lot of these people are having like child brides that are like 13, 14, and they don't mind doing like, I guess, particularly uh, sexually risque things with women. And I guess rape is not that it's not that it's encouraged, but it seems to be more tolerated, you know, and this seems to be coming smack dab from their culture, which I mean, right. if any. By kind of the liberal kind of playbook or apparatus, it should be that, oh, well, this is innately good when it's the case that, no, this is innately bad and this should be repudiated. Yeah. You know what? Rape is bad. And if rape is part of your cultural practices, then your culture is bad, period. There's, there's no there's no ambiguity there. There's no uh, there's no, you know, if or buts about it. If rape is part of your culture, if it's seen as more acceptable. I always love when they talk about how we live in a rape culture. We don't live in a rape culture. We put our rapists in prison. In, in certain parts of the, of, the, of the third world, rape is not, the, is not just a crime, but it's also sometimes the punishment. There was a famous girl. I think she was, she was either in India or Pakistan. I believe she was in Pakistan. And her brother had apparently been messing around with one of the neighbor family's daughter. What the situation was with that, I don't know. But the elders, the, the, the elder men in the other family found out. They got him. They gang raped him. So that was, and that, and that wasn't enough to satisfy them. They, they, they went to the town elders uh, that, that uh, you know, the, the, whatever, the magistrates in the little town, whatever it is. And uh, the, they, were, she, they, were, she, they sentenced her to being raped by the other family. What now, come world? on, man. That, that's your sentence? You're sentencing? So rape is the punishment? Right. I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to figure out who I'm talking about. I, I can't think of her name. She was fairly famous for a while. Yeah. 
<laughs> these are the people that apparently uh, they didn't give a damn about her brother because he was never famous. We don't even know what his name was, but she was yeah. famous for a while. Yeah, it's kind of another kind of weird irony where I I mean this is a, a bit of an aside, but a lot of times when you when you you'll hear someone that's from a foreign country that has particularly bad uh that has a particularly bad culture like that, a lot of these people will try to pivot and they'll say, oh, well, America does a particularly bad thing or that there's hate crimes uh, going on at nauseam and uh, all this horrible stuff that happens to gay. And I'm like, no, this doesn't happen to gays because our, our culture is pretty good. You know, we don't Well, see... they're, they're anti-homosexual, yet they rape the boy. Right. How the hell does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess. Uh... We're anti-gay, but we're going to we're going to rape this young boy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to. That's that really screwed up uh, circumstance. It it really makes no sense. I remember hearing a, or I guess particularly in Iran right now, where you can be killed for being gay. That uh, now you can actually transition to being a, a a female or a supposed in their minds female, and you can get away with it. Yeah. Which again, makes no sense because you're still a man. You're just having sex with another man. That, uh, <laughs> but in this case, you just look like you. I guess superficially look like a woman, you know, which these people. Yeah, like, well, they, they, uh, yeah, they would, they, they, they execute homosexuals and put them in prison. But if you transition, if you, if you do the whole transgender nonsense, then they, they won't kill you. Yeah. Which really, it's, it's kind of like the same thing with like the man, they're raping a kid anyway, even though they claim not to be, they claim to be against rape. They'll just find like these weird ways in which they can do it, which I guess just shows that the, one, the culture is just incredibly backwards, but they're also just encouraging like this weird the stuff that they seemingly hate. Yeah, it's very strange. The idea that that, that they abhor and, and, and want to put in prison and murder homosexuals, but they would, but for her, the son messing around with their daughter, they rape him, they gang rape him. How yeah. cra- it's just so damn crazy. It's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense from any angle. Yeah. I, I should say that kind of uh, another thing I want to touch on is that uh, in regards to this idea of cohesion, where I guess you can hear a lot of uh, the, I don't know if you're aware of a, I, I think you're aware of a political scientist named Eric Hoffman, but uh, he's, he's famous for kind of his, uh, uh, anal, anal, or his explication of uh, kind of racial politics and kind of the 21st century or what's going to happen if race as uh, we ethnically become much more heterogeneous in the West. Yeah. His theory is essentially that uh in America, Hispanics will actually start to identify as white, and then they'll start to repudiate Hispanic culture. And in, I guess, in, I think in a Britain, he also thinks a lot of. Uh, I don't. I can't remember exactly what he thinks, right? But I know in America, he thinks that Hispanics are just going to repudiate uh, their, I guess, uh, Hispanicness and just identify themselves as white. Which I don't think the people understand. And obviously, this is a preeminent, uh, a really preeminent political scientist on this, and he thinks that essentially. Well, diversity is actually not a strength. It's just that people essentially just pretend to be or are going to purport to be the same thing, you know, or purport to be from the same culture. And that's actually what's going to make America thrive and survive, you know. Well, there, there, are, there are a lot of Hispanics right now that consider themselves white. Right. But that, that, is, that, that is true. And some of them are. They're Castilian Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just interesting that uh, these liberals that like to that like to see that oh well diversity or Hispanics it, it's just great because it's going to I guess undermine kind of the white population that a lot of these same Hispanics are very likely or it could be the case that they're very likely to ultimately just identify as white in generations to come which one would show that 
no, diversity is actually not a strength and that uh, this, I guess, this whiteness or whatever they want to call it, or they probably view it as white supremacy is actually viewed as pretty uh, amenable to really kind of affluent culture <laughs> uh, to, to the Hispanics that they think are going to ultimately uh, reject it, which uh, well, is the, the thing I don't understand is one of the one of the big, uh, you know, one of the big problems that people have and one of the big complaints they make is that a tiny group of people in the United States in, uh, in uh, you know, other countries like say white people in South Africa or white people in Brazil, for example, control the country. They have all the, they had the, all the power in the country. So they, they have a problem with that. They think, well, these a small group of people has control of the country when they're a racial minority. Right. But then, but then when it comes to white people being the, the, the majority of the United States, all of a sudden they don't hold that position anymore. Yeah. I should think that I, I kind of want to pivot into this, which really what I view as there's really, I have two kind of big gripes against diversity. And one is that uh, it's just going to really be uh, an impediment to cohesion, which we really did need. And obviously referencing going, we already referenced like Putnam where he says that you're going to get less social trust and just a bunch of negative outcomes in society. But I think the other, the other kind of, or the flip side of this, or the other side of the coin for this, which I think is maybe where I'm a little bit more worried, and I think it's a little bit more pernicious, is that it seems the way that we're going with diversity, and maybe this is the kind of in conjunction, or really just dovetails with wokeness, but to, and maybe isn't uh, mutually exclusive to it, but uh, it seems like once we have a group that doesn't do quite as well, that we're just going to say, oh, well, there's something terribly wrong with this, and that this must be white supremacist or something, or there's like right. some, syst- some systemic racism, as they say. And I think this comes from if you truly believe diversity is a strength, and it's the case that some groups aren't doing well, then you're going to think that the culture's uh, ultimately very racist. And well, not, it- not, not, not to mention the fact diversity is our strength has really turned into everybody, you know, we should all hate white people. Yeah. It's, it's become an anti-white racist mantra. Diversity is our strength. And I've actually heard Hispanics and Blacks talk about how they're going to breed, of, breed us out of existence, how our population size is going down. And that, uh, you know, I think it's what they say, by 2050, we're going to be, it's 2030 or 2050, I forget which, that we're not going to be the, we're not going to be the majority. Right. It's going to be, not not that another group will be the majority, but that everybody else combined will, will there'll be more of everybody else combined compared, there'll be more of them compared to us. Well, kind of, it goes back to the point, it's that if, if a first world goes to a third world country and kind of creates their own area, creates their own culture, people are going to lambast them and think that they're white supremacists. Whereas if it's the other way, they're going to think that it's a great thing and a virtue. That right. just some weird cognitive bias where for some reason they hate the majority of people. And I, I don't think they're as concerned about this with Japanese. They're seem to be for whatever reason, they, it's just that whites are kind of, they get the brunt of this kind of weird, I don't know, racial guilt or racial, racial guilt in regards to whites, other whites, but to racial resentment and, it's kind of bewildering, or I'm not quite sure why that is, but I... I oh, oh I, I know why it is, because we have, the Japanese and, and the Chinese and, uh, and various other groups of people, they don't have traitors in their midst. See, we, we have self-hating white people. Uh, they're called leftists. And the, the leftists despise white people more than any other group could possibly despise us. They absolutely despise us. Yeah. Uh, they just they, they they're self-loathing and leftists. It's very strange. Uh, they hate their own culture. They hate their own race. They hate their own country, uh, their own society, and they want to undermine and destroy it. 
It's very strange. That's the difference. You don't have that kind of stuff in Japan. I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, outliers everywhere you go, but you don't have that kind of stuff in Japan. You don't have the stuff kind of stuff in China or even Korea uh, for, you know, for three good examples. But you, you, you have that in white Western civilization. And I, I really don't know why. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know why that the left has become so cancerous. yeah, I, I think it's due to some sort of guilt, and I, I don't really have a, I think it's to do, we touched upon this a bit with the Paul Godfrey, but I think it's to do with something with these people are much more likely to repudiate religion or to not believe in religion, and they ultimately, a lot of the religious concepts or what underlies religious concepts, they ultimately will uh, uh, confer on other things like view whiteness as evil and think that we have to suppress it at all times, <laughs> or whiteness is the original sin, but uh I, what I find interesting about this, and I've referenced this a couple times in the podcast, I, I can re remember like being in a college class and uh, there was a question on a test and it said, uh, which of these states is the most diverse? And by most diverse, they meant the least white, which was Hawaii, because I think it was something like a quarter white. And I remember thinking to myself, well, isn't it supposed to be that Hawaii is actually a pretty, is a, is not a diverse state? Because if it's, if it's like two thirds Asian or however, what percentage Asian, I think it's, it should be uh, the case that that's actually a pretty homogeneous state, which obviously the answer was, was that uh, no, it's actually, it's actually white people bogging it down. And that's what makes it, or, or white people, because there's not that many white people there. That's what makes it a diverse state, which I think that really does kind of tell you everything you need to know. And I, I think with diversity, you could see this parsed out as no diversity is good. If it just means that you have less of one group, you know, which is white, right. which I mean, there is the only thing that you can kind of challenge this argument a bit on is that we're starting to see with Asians where they do so well that uh, people are starting to call them white adjacent or something, you know? And Yeah, that's, I, you know what, that I got to say, that's so strange to me. I've heard, I've heard a lot of black people say that they call, they call, um, Asian people, white adjacent. What the, what the hell is that supposed to mean? White adjacent. So they've decided that any group that's successful now is, is evil. And so yeah. white people are evil and now Asians are so successful. Now they're evil. And so they, and they've kind of lumped us, lumped Asians in with us. So basically it's if I'm failing and another group is succeeding, that other group must be evil. It's very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. I have absolutely no problem with Asians. I think they're, I think they're excellent. Yeah. I, I think that might lie like an interesting clue to kind of this, like, why are, why is whiteness so hated? And it could be that to like, maybe they just have like some, they have like some weird uh, resentment or there's something really messed up in their psychology. And I guess they blame it on white people. But the problem is that to, once something seems to upend that theory, particularly like white supremacy being supreme, such as the case that Asians do better than whites on all objective on the, any sort of metric that you want to parse out, it has to be the case that, oh, well, they actually have this kind of like white supremacy or they're part of uh, the white supremacist kind of milieu, you know, which it, it, it just very gets very convoluted. And I, I guess the question is there, is it still the case that they hate, innately hate whiteness or is it more so that they innately hate some sort of idea of like perceived power, you know? It's well, no, what it is, is that it's, it's, I have in my right hand, I have, I'm failing in my left hand. I have some group is, is oppressing me yeah. and they're always going for the left hand. Always the yeah. right hand of I'm failing and it's nobody's fault, but my own is never an option. Uh, accountability, self-accountability is never an option that, right. that door, that not only does that, not only is that not an option, that door doesn't even exist. That door has been bricked over and painted over. Yeah. That, that doesn't exist anymore. It's all somebody else is oppressing me. Either white people are oppressing me or Asians are oppressing me or Hispanics. I've even heard Hispanics are oppressing me. 
And so that's what it all really all boils down to. Or Indians or yeah. whatever. This, everybody's oppressing me and everybody, it's everybody else's fault. And I'm completely blameless. Uh, how do you improve? How do you improve your life? How do you improve your culture and society? How do you improve the outcome of your um, family if everything is somebody else's fault and, and nothing is to blame? You're, you're to blame for nothing. It just doesn't work that way. It's There's no way to improve with that type of mindset. Yeah. I mean, in psychology, it's horrible to think you're a victim. And for whatever reason, the people that like to call themselves the most, <laughs> I guess, the most adept at psychology or most mindful of it, they're the ones that are seemingly oblivious to it and will throw out the door and think that, oh, no, it's actually great to think you're oppressed because society is, is innately oppressive. So it, innately oppressive. So if you don't do well in, in your life, then it's due to this sort of white supremacist culture. Or even better, what my favorite thing is what they say is that uh, uh, I, I've met seen black people where they've actually had some success. They think that, oh, well, I would actually be much more successful if it weren't for this white supremacist culture, you know, <laughs> right. which I don't know what's worse. Having success and still thinking you could uh, receive more, which seems to be incredibly narcissistic or thinking that, uh, no, I actually deserve your success, even though I haven't had any. <laughs> I guess maybe it's uh, just yeah, a success, life success, cultural success community success uh, and even national success is all earned. Yeah. You have to achieve things. And thus far, I haven't seen that. I, yeah. I don't think I ever will. I, I hate to say it. I really don't see it. I don't see a solution. I wish I did because it's, it's probably the worst problem in this entire country. I, I just don't see a solution. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess you could say conveniently and going hearkening back to the topic, you could say, well, maybe it's if we can repudiate like this uh, diversity is always a strength and nonsense. And we say, no, well, look, we should view things on their own individual merits and we should and we should try to be as empirical as we can with them. And just using painting a very uh, broad brush and saying that everything's good if it comes from something or any everything's good that comes from a particular culture uh, it needs to be jettisoned. But I unfortunately don't think that's going to happen. But to, well, I don't I, either. I, I should say that to, the one thing I'm always been kind of baffled by this is that to, it, it seems like the liberals have to understand this to some extent. But like in particular, I was reading it said in 2004, 74% of white Americans and 68% of black Americans told Gold that racial relations were good in America. And I believe this was either 2019, I can't remember exactly which article I pulled this from, but it said this year those numbers are 43% and 33%. <laughs> so in effect, the more we kind of put an emphasis on diversity being a strength or that racism is a is a very ubiquitous phenomenon the more we get people that actually don't think race relations are good but when these people are just allowed to live their lives and they don't have this like weird woke nonsense pushed uh shoved down their throat they think that uh, race relations are actually particularly good you know and i've wonder... heard i've heard let me say this I've heard, I've heard black people say that this is worse the times now are worse than jim crow right which is absolutely batshit crazy. The idea that separate water fountains, restaurants could tell you we're not going to serve you because you're black. Um, you can't use our bathroom. You can't go to our gas station. We don't serve black people at this gas station. That not being as bad, that that, that being not as bad as, as the current situation now is absolutely bonkers. Anybody that truly believes that uh, is is there's no hope for the person. Yeah. There just isn't because they're not, they're not embracing reality. And if they can think, if they can truly think that I, first of all, it's difficult to believe they truly think that, 
But if they can somehow convince themselves of that, then they're so far gone when it comes to being delusional that there's just no helping them. There's no changing. There's no hope for the future. There just isn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't even know how to address somebody that says such asinine things. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple questions based on that. And one, is this mostly being propagated by white liberals or is it just something or is it uniquely, I guess, just particularly black people propagating this? And I, I think it really is just mostly white liberals because I think they're, they unfortunately are the elite of this country and they're the ones that propagate all sorts of like woke social standards. And because they do this, people like take it hook, line and sinker, you know, where you constantly, a black person will say constantly that they view society as racist and a white liberal will say that they view society as racist, which just creates incredible gridlock. And I mean, people will challenge this, but to the white person that's told, or if you're like some white uh, rural, uh, quote unquote, hillbilly living somewhere, and you're told that you're the problem, you're also going to see race relations as bad because you're wondering why you're being blamed for this stuff when you have nothing in the first place. Well, yeah, I, you know, it may be, it may very well be. Uh, and I think there's a good chance that it is white liberals that are, do that are behind this, but it, it is primarily if not exclusively black people that i've heard say uh that it's this is the, our current times are worse than jim crow the only thing that makes me think it's white liberals and referencing that statistic is that uh i mean whatever the a lot of the adverse things you see about black people though it's more or less been increased i think this poll we came out before jim george floyd so it wasn't like you had a huge increase like a one-third of the murder rate in a span of a year but uh it does seem like the, 2000, the difference between 2004 and 2019 is that we've become much more woke in our culture. And I think that's due to liberals and liberals kind of promulgating, promulgating this nonsense. So right. I think it's weird, and which really does kind of beg the question to me, if you can show these people that, no, you're actually causing the problem and that uh, constantly talking about racism as uh, one of the overarching themes in our society just makes people less or distrustful of society. Do you think these people would ultimately say, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do this because I, I can remember hearing a, there was a New York times uh, poll that's or survey that said that uh, Joe Biden's uh, uh, policy positions or his agenda come off as a uh, uh, come off as a more amenable to, or there people are more likely to, to, I guess, approve of them. If uh, he, he, he positions them not to in like a very racial message of like, Oh, well, society's terribly racist as opposed and instead uses a kind of universalist message. So, it seems like the same kind of elite liberals have to realize that a lot of this stuff uh, is going to have pernicious effects, but they're still. Well, well, let me say this to you. So let's let's just assume for the sake of argument that it's, it's primarily white liberals that are pushing this. Here's my question. How simple minded, how childlike do you have to be to believe it? If you look at all the things that went on during Jim Crow and you look at your current life in this in the modern times. And you believe that you were worse off in Jim Crow, you're, you're worse off now than you were in Jim Crow. Okay, there may be people trying to convince you of that. But how goddamn actually believe it? Well, this is where I don't think it's quite about stupidity in kind of like an, an innate sense. I think it's just about being really just crazy. I mean, the only thing that would make me retort that I understand what you're trying to say, but if you if you look at like the crazy white, I remember there was a crazy there was a virologist at John Hopkins that uh, was getting some salience during uh, 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 the pandemic. And she was asked about, okay, well, there's obviously a lot of rioting and protests going on at George Floyd, which seems to really be avoiding uh, a, a lot of the kind of, uh, I don't know, a lot of the restrictions that you'd expect or kind of, or just uh, bundling it together. And her response was, oh no, that's okay. Because racism's just as much of a public health problem as a, uh, 
as uh, the virus is, which I don't know how she makes some sort of weird social judgment, but I think a lot of the crazy white, I think a lot of the crazy liberals did this. And you also saw with our media where people have pointed this out where pre George Floyd, like the months before George, the George Floyd shit happened, you were hearing a lot of people say, or the media was okay. If you're still doing stuff and you're not hunkering down or not putting on masks, then you're just a dick and you need to, you need to respect everyone. But post George Floyd, when we saw people just avoiding these kind of mandates, they were, they were not uh, uh, lambasted by the media to the same extent. Right. And I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I, I, it all comes, keeps coming back to it all keeps coming back to liberals being the cancer of Western civilization, the yeah. left being the cancer of Western civilization. It's not the barbarians at the gates; it's the it's the it's the traitors throwing the gates wide open while everybody's asleep. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the it's the traitors that want to see Western civilization destroyed. Now, a lot of these people are coming from these third world countries because they want to escape those third world countries. They want to escape uh, the corrupt governments. They want to escape the the the, the substandard uh, conditions such as you know rolling blackouts and and uh, you know all sorts of other things, water that you can't trust to drink, and and all you know crime and all sorts of other nonsense. They want to escape that, but. So how are you doing them any favors by undermining the society that they're trying to escape to? I right. mean, they're escaping here so that they can have a better life. If you're going to make sure that this place is destroyed, then how are you how are you helping them out? Yeah, it's that. And it's also the fact of, oh, well, you, you don't have to change your culture whatsoever. The culture that was apparently that uh, for whatever reason was uh, resulted in or that uh, I guess they would say inadvertently was so bad over there. Uh, you can still have the same thing here and it won't create any gridlock or any problems, you know? <laughs> right. Which I, I think that's the, that's kind of the more pressing question there, which uh, I, I think the, as far as your, your point there, I think that they would just, uh, they would essentially just undercut it or be oblivious to it and say that, oh, well, no, well, this is actually a rosy thing or makes their society much better. So your, your question's unfounded, which I, I think kind of the, the white liberals, and I've, I've referenced this before, but I'm sure I know I, I think it was Obama in 2008 or Obama in 2012. They showed that uh, the white people that were most likely to vote for Obama were also the least likely to actually live around black people, you know, <laughs> of course. But, you you know, you know, there was two situations uh, that I can think of. One was and they are both involved airports. One was where a woman was traveling with her dog. And she uh, and and the Muslim guy, I guess, in certain parts of Islam, they have something against dogs. And so they, they he wouldn't let the dog get in the cab, even though the, the company had no problem with, with dogs and cabs. So he wouldn't let that happen. Um, and I don't I don't know how that finally worked its way out, worked itself out. But the other situation was that he asked the people that were getting into his cab, are you traveling with any alcohol on you? And I guess they were caught off guard, and they said, "Yeah, we, you know, we have some alcohol in our luggage. Like, uh, you, you got to get rid of it, or you can't ride with me." Right. And I, th I think he was fired, but you don't hear anything from you don't think hear anything from the left. You, you don't hear anything from our fellow atheists. If a Christian said, "You don't get to ride in my cab because I don't, I don't believe in, you know, I, I, I'm not allow you to ride in my cab because you have alcohol in your luggage," uh, somebody like the friendly atheist would couldn't keep their mouth shut. They would be screaming at the top of their lungs about how crazy it is and mocking.
and, and making fun and everything else. But a Muslim does it. You don't hear anything. Crickets. Right. Crick, crickets. So that's that's another example of diversity being our strength. We put up with other people. When, when they say diversity is our strength, what they really mean is, is that all cultures supersede mainstream culture. Yeah. And how is how the hell is that diversity being our strength? Yeah. I really do think that that's, they play such convoluted games here, but I really do think that's the gist of what they think diversity is. They think that, uh, I guess, European or what they what they deem as kind of white culture is uh, inherently bad or there's inherently problems with it. So this other culture can come in and it can supersede it and it will ultimately uh, make it much more rosy and it <laughs> will become a better world, which I, I, I'm not, I, I guess we've touched on this a bit, which, I'm not quite sure of the process in which they think that happens. I think most of these people seem to think something along the lines of, well, they all have good things to offer, so we can have a synthesis of it, and it'll become much more stronger. We're not understanding that if there's going to be some sort of synthesis, it'll probably be the case that there's going to be some sort of cohesion eventually, you know? Right. Which uh, I, I really just can't understand it. I mean, the other thing that we, we should have referenced this a little bit earlier, but to one of the like uh, innate or the things that's always referenced that we see in our own life, the wide diversity... I mean, I guess that this doesn't necessarily make mean that it's not a strength, but that it's not it doesn't quite have as positive outcomes as people think when you look at like school lunchroom tables or you or churches where it's very likely that those lunchroom tables and those churches are going to be homogeneous with. Uh, yeah, they're, self, they're self-segregating. Right. Nobody goes into a lunchroom and says black kids sit at these tables. White kids sit at these tables. Asians sit at these tables. Hispanics sit at these tables. And any other possible groups that are around, you sit at your own tables. Nobody says that. There's no rule. There's no There's no written rule. There's no unwritten rule. I guess there's an unwritten rule. But, you know, no, nobody does that. It just, it's just automatic. Same thing with churches. Over 80%, either 80% or over 90%, I forget which, of, of churches in the United States are, are, are monolithic. They're one race. Yeah. Why is that? Right. Because when people are left to their own devices, they don't want this so-called strength of diversity. They want to be around their own kind. It just, it's just the truth. The black churches, have become, they call them black churches because black people go there. Uh, they don't attend. I mean, yeah, you might go to a, a church and see a couple of white, a couple of black people in there. You might, you may, uh, in a rare circumstance, go into a black church and see a couple of white people in there. Um. But no, it's usually Hispanics or have their own churches. Whites have their, and it even breaks down further than that. A lot of times, Italians will have their own churches, and the Irish will have, yeah, um, you know, or the you know the uh, Greek Orthodox, um, you know, the Greeks will have their own church, or various other groups of people will have their own churches. Uh, I know that the um, oh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the of the country. It doesn't matter, but anyway. Uh, there's a lot of uh, in my where I live. There's a lot of Slavic people. Slavic people are Eastern Europeans, uh, and they have their they have specific churches for specific Slavic groups, not just one big Slavic church, but different Slavic groups. Yeah, I you know it's funny because I I drive by this church pretty regularly. That's a uh, it's it literally says something like Korean Episcopal Church on it. Cro- you know? Croatian Croatian is what I was thinking. There's a there's a church just I know there's at least one church that is just for Croatians. Yeah, because I I knew a guy that was that was uh there was a there was an attendee of that church. Yeah, yeah. I, another thing I'm kind of baffled by, and that this came from Putnam, is that uh, he 
I'm sure other people have made this point too, but uh, he was referencing something like, oh, well, the military is a great success because you don't find much interracial conflict there and that they're all kind of, uh, and that uh, they can actually work together and be amicable. And I'm, and I'm like, he doesn't understand, you don't understand this. That's literally them forcing them to become a monolith and shaving their heads and making them all essentially just, just repudiating any identity they have, you know? that's the goal of it. And he thinks that that's actually shows how good diversity diversity is. I'm like, no, that's diversity. There is just being 100% repudiated. And then it just becomes a total monolith. You know, it's not even like, like diversity working through its regular channels that just you forcibly just browbeating people into submission, you know, that's, right. that's in essence what the military is. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, they would throw out kind of arguments or he in particular would throw out kind of arguments. Well, if you look at, if you look at organizations, they don't go for diversity. When you go into the military, they want everybody to have the same haircut. They want everybody to learn the same manuals. They want everybody to do the same drills. They want everybody to do everything, everybody, everything exactly the same. The same thing when you go into any type of business, let's say you get a job at McDonald's or you get a job at Taco Bell or you get a job at Wendy's or Burger King. Long John Silvers, or where the hell ever, you have you all wear the same uniforms. You you, you have a certain way of doing things, uh, and they want uniformity. They 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 want they want a monolith. They don't want diversity. Yeah, you, you can't come in. You can't come in and you're in your street clothes. One guy's wearing jeans, the other guy's wearing you know tan khakis. Uh, the other <laughs> one person's wearing a dress shirt. The other person's wearing a ACDC t-shirt. No, that's not how it works. Maybe yeah. in some mom and pop shop where they, they don't have a lot of standards. But chain restaurants, they, they're uniform. Their signs are uniform. You know, you, when you see a McDonald's, you always know what it's a McDonald's. When you see a Burger King or a Taco Bell or a Wendy's, you always know what they are. Because, every, because the uniforms are, are, are the same. The menu is the same. The way they operate is the same. Everything is exactly the same. Yeah. And again, that's the, that's the case for the military. It's the case for the Boy Scouts. It's the case for countless other organizations. But it's interesting that to, to kind of restate my point here, which I find baffling, is that they like to reference these as good pay, as, as a, well, the military in particular, because they do that's the nth degree, but to, they reference this as a success, a success of diversity. And I'm like, that's not diversity at all peak. That's essentially diversity being suppressed on all channels. There's really nothing diverse about that. It just, it's diversity in the sense that, oh, well, we're getting people from uh, different, uh, I guess, ethnic backgrounds and forcing them to uh, submit to become a monolith, you know, like right. that, at the very least, there's no sort of like practical that shouldn't have any sort of practical dimension for what's going on in the real world in regards to diversity, unless you consider it that as long as you just have um, uh, two group or two different groups of people, or at least two different groups of people working together on something, regardless of what they do, and there seems to be some success, then that's, a, then that's a success, which obviously is evidenced by the military, given that they're literally forcing them to become a monolith by browbeating them. That doesn't seem to have many practical implications. Right. But so. Uh... Completely agree. Yeah, it's not. It's not really a. a, a uh, it's not really not diversity. They take everybody and they mold them into the same, the same culture. They, you know, the military has its own culture, and you learn it. You learn all the different ranks. You learn everything that you're supposed to do, and the order you're supposed to do it, and how you're supposed to do it. And there is no, there is no. I'll do it my way, or I'll do it when I feel like doing it, or how I want to do it, and I'll wear the clothes I want to wear. That's just simply not. I'll, I'll call you what I want to call you. No. 
Absolutely not. Right. Not how it works. The strength of the military and the military is starting to change, which is going to definitely hurt the United States. But the military is starting to change. Now they're starting to do this diversity is our strength bullshit in the military. Uh, when the only thing that the military should be focusing on is what they used to focus on, which was winning wars. Now, now they're becoming a kinder, gentler, more inclusive military. I remember a man lost his job because he trained female fighter pilots to, to, land, to, to take off and land from um, aircraft carriers in the ocean. And most women were not capable of doing it. And so, but he was, he was pressured to give them passing grades anyway. And they were naming all the women that crashed and, and some of them died uh, because they, they just simply weren't capable of, of taking off and landing properly on the aircraft carriers. And it, it destroyed his career, but he became a whistleblower. Right. So. Yeah, yeah that is, that's, that's, that's diversity for you. I, I should say that the other thing that baffles me and uh, me, I think this is more so just showing that uh, diversity as a concept and the way it's used is ultimately contradictory and just really convoluted. But people reference things like in regards to like the Lord of the Rings thing where it's supposed to, or like Lord of the Rings where I guess they put like black hobbits in there or whatever and kind of culture in general. And they'll say, you know, if you really want to, <laughs> yeah. if you really want to subsume everyone, isn't it ultimately the case that you're no longer going to have a culture that uh, if everyone becomes one, which I mean, liberals do talk about everyone becoming one race, isn't going to be the case that there actually is no diversity and that you're ultimately just becoming a total monolith. You know? Yeah, that's that's the destruction of diversity. You know, they, yeah, you're absolutely right. They keep talking about how we're all intermingling and we're all interbreeding and eventually we're all going to be one race. Uh, yeah. How is that diversity? How does that make sense? If all cultures have become one culture and all races become one race and all become one ethnicity then how is that diversity right well it's also that, like that, a, that's that's literally the death of diversity yeah i mean yeah they like to split which which I, I think it becomes more of a pertinent question because these are the same people that say that oh well diversity it's supposed to have no sort of cohesiveness in it and it's things just ultimately will just mesh well you know <laughs> which they don't understand that you're ultimately just destroying diversity and making it such that's i guess if their goal actually pans out then Diversity won't be a strength because it won't really be anything at that point. You know, there won't be a possibility for diversity. I always think it's funny when they when they have like in Star Trek, they'll have like a black Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So the so the same things that gave black people their facial features in 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 uh, in the U.S. in the U.S. in uh, on Earth, living in sub-Saharan Africa. That exact same thing happened. And I, I, I thought that the Vulcans were supposed to be a completely different race and have absolutely nothing to do with any of the races in, in the, in, on Earth. Yeah. So how are they going to have a, a, a white Vulcan, a black Vulcan? <laughs> what are we going to have a Native American Indian Vulcan? I mean, how the hell does that make sense? Yeah, I, I was thinking about in particular, another point somebody made, uh, people have been making is, I guess this comes uh, with a... a I guess I mean a game of a Game of Thrones spinoff, and uh, obviously the new Lord of the Rings thing. But uh, for some reason, all the whites there's you're either totally white or you're totally black, and there's really no in between. And this has supposedly been going on for thousands of years. Which I remember people making the point that shouldn't this ultimately be, be racist by their own standards? Because it's ultimately saying that uh, a bunch of these elves didn't ever want to breed with the black elves, you know? <laughs> and saying, you know that uh, 
if there's if everyone's all a different race or there's like a you can see a discreteness in the different races then that means that uh, in this kind of fantasy world that these people chose not to breed they chose to breed together and in effect uh, they didn't like a lot of the aspects of or what's encouraged through diversity you know right right <laughs> which uh, well star, star trek would t- you know um uh, star trek star trek when they would take gene ronberry when he created all these different characters all these different uh, alien races a lot of them look suspiciously like stereotypical races on Earth, which I find very interesting. So I'm sure he was a far left-wing lib that was against, you know, that was, uh, you know, uh, hippie and, and supported le- lefties and all that. And I'm sure most of the people cast on there was. But then when you look at all the different alien races, they're very stip- – st- they, 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 uh, they mirror stereotypical um, – races on the on, on, in the united states which is very very strange yeah very very strange right i'm trying to think if there's anything uh i, I think i would just like to bring up a, a again you really do have to wonder because there seems to be this like weird equivocation on what exactly diversity amounts to and what exactly they mean by it and really I challenge anyone to read kind of the liberal kind of uh, literature on this. It, it really makes no sense as to what they're saying because they'll throw out just general stuff like, oh, well, it's cool if you see a bunch of taco trucks somewhere. And oh, I don't get annoyed when I see someone speaking Spanish. That's a great, that's a great thing. And right. they're not quite sure like what's the, I mean, maybe it's just that it's interesting, which I mean, the conservative joke is that uh, tell me something that's good about diversity and don't say food, you know? <laughs> right. But uh, don't, don't say f- food or music. Yeah. Right. But I guess the question I'm, I'm wondering, like, what? Maybe it's just meant to be totally convoluted, and that basically just says that uh, this is just part and parcel of kind of our, our wokeness, and that this is just a I don't know conduit for it, if you will. And I, I guess the question I have is: is how should we? How do you think the left actually views wokeness, or not wokeness, but kind of like diversity and it being a strength? And I, I'm wondering if you could actually get kind of an ironclad take on it because I don't. I don't quite know if I could actually think of one because these don't seem to be fleshed out. These don't, these, this concept doesn't really seem to be fleshed out in their mindset because they always pivot to stuff that seems to undercut uh, diversity. Well, their idea of diversity, again, as I, as I stated earlier a couple of times, is less white people. That, that's their idea of diversity. Less white people, less, less European culture, uh, and more of everybody else, especially black people. But yeah. l- l- less white people is, is the main goal. Right. I guess. Yeah, that's 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 really the goal. Yeah, I guess that is. Well, I think I, I, I think just kind of uh, closing in one of the, the main points I wanted to make is that. Uh, oh, and less part- Christians. I'm sorry. Less Christians as well. They want to destroy yeah. Christianity. Yeah. I, I guess one of the kind of tying in kind of uh, Eric Kaufman's kind of uh, analysis on uh, what makes racial relations amicable and also uh, Putnam's and that he seems to think that. Uh, but I, I should say, I think we referenced this before, but what I find interesting about Putnam is that uh, he acknowledges in the short term and the midterm or kind of in the medium uh, term, uh, diversity creates problems, but he thinks in the long terms it will be fine. And he doesn't actually give any statistics for this. He just says, he essentially just says, oh, look at the Irish and Italians, which there was some gridlock there and it's now nice, which I, I guess the question I have is, could are, are we actually going to find Irish and Italian where I guess ethnically they're viewed as so different and ethnically and culturally they're so different but uh, they eventually become or or where they eventually become uh, I guess homogenized and they 
see themselves as, I guess, somewhat similar, at least at the point. Well, where... and, and you know, the thing is, Brighter, there's there's levels. There's levels. Yeah. Think about it. Okay, so is so there's different ethnicities inside sub-Saharan Africa. There's different there's different black ethnicities. They they look slightly different. You know, they they, they have slightly different builds. Everything. Yeah. Just like there just like there is in Europe, just like there is in Asia, just like there is in in uh, the Americas. But so is, is the difference between an Irishman and a German as different, or the difference between an Irishman and an Italian is it as different as between a, a, an Irishman and from somebody from say I don't know Haiti? I don't think so. Right. So the differences, the differences are, are in, in most cases, if not all, are just too large to sur- to to surmount. They just yeah. are. So, well, so the idea that if there's that all differences are equal, no, all differences are not equal. Uh, a, a German and and a and an Italian and a Frenchman and uh, an Irishman have a lot more in common. They have some some differences, but they have a lot more in common than say. Um, than than they would with say somebody from um, Haiti or somebody from uh, oh Darfur or somebody from South Africa. I mean, Black South Africa or uh, Kenya. They're going to have a lot more different. They're going to have a lot more in common with each other than they are from somebody in in a, in a completely different race and culture. They just are. Yeah. Uh, th- there's different. There's different versions of Chinese. Yeah, they, like, they have more in common with each other than they are going to have with, say, somebody in uh, in in Europe. They just are. Yeah, which I guess. Well, my question here is, and kind of, this is where I think uh, Kaufman kind of ties in because his thesis seems to be that look, their races are always going to be somewhat separate on a categorical sense, and that they're going to have so many different uh, qualities and so many different features. I'm not saying just purely physical, but that's part of it. But he seems to think that, uh, well, Hispanics are eventually probably just going to view themselves as white because they're just going to realize that, hey, which I, I don't think he says this explicitly, but it, it's probably like, okay, well, our culture is not super nice or kind of South South and Central America is not all that nice, but uh, a lot of European culture is pretty nice. So we should actually portend ourselves to that and that that should be what we kind of strive for. And I'm not quite sure. There seems to be there seems to be some statistics bearing it out. Some people use as evidence for Hispanics uh making a rightward shifts, which there's not quite as many uh, Hispanics or quote-unquote Hispanics identifying as white or what's considered Hispanics identifying as what is now considered white, but uh, they seem to think that's going to happen. And I, I guess his thesis is essentially that we need to see that or else there's just going to be too much gridlock. <laughs> and I guess my question is, can we see that where Hispanics see themselves as no different from like an Irish or an Italian man? Or do you think that's just too far-fetched? And I guess no, I, th- I, th- I think that's possible. Okay. I think over a long period of time, I think that's possible. In fact, I think we've seen a drift in that direction. The left-wing liberal Democrats, the the lefties, um, the socialists, they think that if they if they kiss the asses of minorities, especially Hispanics, and 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 completely uh, obliterate the borders, that they're going to get more votes. In reality, Hispanics have been drifting over to the conservative side, to the Republican side, for quite some time. Uh, more and more and more. And the reason is, is because, yes, there's a lot of people from Latin America that want inside the country. But yes, there's also a lot of Hispanics in here. 
that that identify with the culture and the and the and the conservative uh, nature of the Republican Party more than they do the Democrats. Right. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. <laughs> kind of an irony for the right. Or and a lot, I... a lot, a lot of the border guards that fight fight the hardest to keep the the illegals out are Hispanic. Right. Most of them are. Yeah, there is kind of this irony in that uh, liberals love uh, uh, love uh, pushing in kind of Hispanics or just drumming up Hispanic immigration numbers, thinking that they're going to vote liberal, and then these same people just start voting conservative. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, right. to see how that kind of happens. Which, I mean, some people argue that Hispanics really do kind of see the brunt of di- what is diversity, and that they have to live with. I guess, particularly kind of like a lower social economic blacks. And that could be part of the reason why they ultimately become more conservative and that they see, okay, well, there are some bad cultures here and we don't want to be a part of that, you know? Right. I, I think there's, yeah, I mean, there's obviously this is a bit of an aside. I mean, there's weird things like a, a thing I always find odd is that uh, for whatever reason, Hispanics are the most pro-life group in the country. You right. Know? Well, they're Which, Catholic. Yeah. The majority, of, the, the majority of Latin Americans are Catholic. Yeah, I was reading a poll from the Atlantic, uh, or a survey from the Atlantic that showed that uh, amongst, uh, in California, 70% of the white people identify as as a, as a pro-choice by their metric, and it was 60% of Hispanics, you know? Right. They, which, uh, I don't know, I guess that's kind of like another kind of interesting like tidbit on the, they're, they're kind of uh, 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 sympathetic to something that's typically seen as conservative. But, right. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess to kind of fin- finish off the another point I was going to make that kind of ties this all together, and it's a kind of goes to Charles Murray's written about, and I know he seems to be a, a persona non grata, but the last thing he wrote in his new or his latest book, and he's claimed that this is going to be his last one, is that uh, racial politics is absolutely horrible, and if particularly amongst kind of Black Americans, if they keep propagating this, it's going to be the case eventually that. Uh, kind of white Americans are also going to start to kind of, uh, I guess, co-opt a lot of kind of the, the rhetoric of that. And that's just going to create such horrific gridlock that that's going to be the end of the country, you know? Well, I, and, I, I agree, but maybe that's what has to happen. Yeah. But I, I should because say right, that, right, right now there's two groups, of, there, there's, there's two groups of people and well, there's, there's really one group of people. There's, there's two, two, there's one main group of people. And there's and there's uh, another group that tries to co- tries to um, co-op all the other groups and, and get them to f- fight for them. And they there's already a civil war going on in this country. The only difference is, is one side is refusing to acknowledge it, accept it, and fight back. Yeah, I, I probably view the civil war jargon as a bit brash, but. To... I, I do think, like, if particularly if white people start getting blamed for so many things, they're going to think that, well, what is this system even for, you know, and just start right. a lot of the rhetoric, which I think it should say that, uh, I mean, white people supposedly viewing themselves as, I guess, more of like a homogeneous blocker, I, I guess, is, as he thinks, seems to think might happen, that that ultimately would on some level kind of jibe with what diversity actually should be, you know, right, because be kind of like they would be viewed as oh we have our own qualities and we have our own things so we should kind of show them off which i obviously is not what's hoped for diversity <laughs> but uh, that's obviously the point is that you want some sort of cohesiveness and you don't want uh, heterogeneity exactly exactly we forgot to talk about the friendly atheist but we can do that the next podcast yeah i don't want to do that for this one
yeah, we can do that in the next podcast or so. Um, we'll, we'll respond to what what our what their response to our last podcast was about. So on them, so we'll see what we'll you know we'll, we'll make our comments then. Yep. So I think we pretty much said everything there is to say. I mean, we're kind of getting to the point where we're repeating ourselves now. Yeah, and so um, I guess we need to wrap it up. Uh, this again, my conclusion, and I, I think that a brighter lady concurs. And we're far from the only people that feel this way. Diversity is not our strength. Dennis Prager has said this. Um, many people, many people have said this. Dennis Prager is the uh, is the conservative Jewish uh, radio political commentator, and uh, many, many, many people have said this. Diversity is not our strength. It just isn't. It's it's a point of contention. It causes problems. It's causes not constant fighting. Even if you have, to, think about it this way: even if you have two schools, one school, and then a mile down the road, there's another school, and the other school hates them, and they hate the other school, and there's conflict. Human beings are all about conflict. Animals are we. Human beings are just the highest intelligent animal on the planet, and all animals, all living things, are about conflict. And so, the more things you give us to fight about, the more we're going to fight. And so diversity is not our strength. It's it's a point of contention. It's a point of uh, chaos and upheaval and eventually downfall. So that being said, I appreciate you joining us. We drop, we drop a podcast Monday through Friday, me, meaning Sunday night after midnight. So Sunday going into Monday is the first podcast. 12 on 1 a.m. Monday is when I when I drop the podcast and, it, and then it slowly goes out to all the different platforms, over 30 platforms. So Apple Music, uh, Spotify, and all the other ones you could possibly think of. I'm not going to list off the whole litany. And uh, we, we go for an hour to two hours. And maybe sometime we'll even get all the way up to three hours at some point. We've come close. Uh, we try to have news and we try to have excellent content. We try to talk about things that people... I think people would like to hear about. And again, we do this Monday through Friday. And we're going to add extra bonus episodes sometime here in the near future on Saturdays. I've had to reschedule it a couple times for, for reasons that, that aren't really relevant. So again, uh, you know, listen. We have a lot of listeners, but unfortunately we can't get hardly anybody to comment. So please leave a comment, whether it's a positive comment or a negative comment. We don't care. Leave us feedback. We love feedback. We need feedback. So leave us feedback. Uh, subscribe. It's free. And enjoy your leisure. Um, so in the future, hopefully we'll have some really good interviews that come up for you. We, we will. We've been working hard on it. Uh, Monday through Friday is, uh, you know, it's very ambitious. And we, so far we've done, I think we've done a decent job. Anyway, at any rate, again, this is the conservative atheist. And uh, last but not least when you lay down tonight and you're dark and you're staring up at the ceiling and you're starting to drift into sleep I want you to repeat this mantra conservative atheist is always right 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 and when you wake up in the morning, you'll feel refreshed. You'll be a new human being. 
the air will be crisp. The breeze will be nice and warm and relaxing. The birds will sing sweet. The flowers will smell magnificent. The sun will shine brighter. And all will be well with the world. And if it's not, then you're a knucklehead. You're not listening to enough conservative atheists, so you better keep listening. Take care, you knuckleheads. Talk to you next time.